Hi there, I'm Jim. And I'm Jen. Let's talk teaching. Welcome to Let's Talk Teaching, a podcast from the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology here at Illinois State University. I'm Jim G. Joining me today is Dr. Jennifer Freeberg. Jen is the Cross Endowed Chair in the Scholarship of Teaching and Learning here at Illinois State. How are you doing, Jen? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. You actually, um, your academic appointment is in Communication Sciences and Disorder. Right. Disorders. I'm, I'm a speech pathologist by discipline. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... What got you into the scholarship side of teaching and learning? Well, it's interesting. I actually came to uh, my position here at Illinois State to teach. I, uh-huh. I, I've i always been teaching primary as my, my interest. And I took a workshop, maybe my first or second year here on campus as an assistant professor. And Kathleen McKinney at that point was the cross-endowed chair. And uh, I learned a little bit about the scholarship of teaching and learning. And it was sort of a, a light bulb moment for me. Uh, you know, it was an aha kind of realization that, wow, you know, as I practiced as a clinician, I I was using evidence-based practice, you know, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, I'd prescribe a particular kind of treatment for a patient based on the best available research to support that choice. And I thought, gosh, you know, it's really, really intuitive that there'd be similar research to make those kinds of choices in the classroom as a course instructor. And so uh, my interest in SOTL was born at that workshop that day. So what is the role of the cross-endowed chair on our campus in particular? And my understanding is it's pretty rare like nationwide or even globally, to have an endowed chair in this field. That's correct. Um, so Illinois State, I, to my knowledge, is the only university that has an endowed chair in the Scholarship of Teaching and Learning. And that came about because uh, Kay Patricia Cross, and mm-hmm. those of you who are uh, classroom assessment technique users, you know, Angelo and Cross, that's our Kay Patricia Cross, right. the co-author we, of we, that book. We've talked about it often on this, uh, on this podcast. So, Very yeah. good. Very good. Well, her father was a uh, physics professor here at Illinois State University. And so she endowed the chair in his honor because teaching was incredibly important to him and influenced her work, and she wanted to honor that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're absolutely right, Jim. Most um, most universities that have an arm that mm-hmm. deals with the scholarship of teaching and learning, and you may hear me call that SOTL. Yeah, which is and that's fine. The acronym for that, but just to be very clear, we we are we are a university after all. We <laughs> do like right. our we do like our acronyms. We we like our acronyms. Um, most universities that have an arm for SOTL roll that into the teaching and learning center, mm-hmm. and and there's good reason for that. Uh, you know, from for those universities because. Mm-hmm. There is overlap between what the Teaching and Learning Center does and what someone who's interested in SOTL does. Um, That's not the case here. We've kept the efforts separate Mm -hmm. between the Teaching and Learning Center and the endowed chair in SOTL. And and I think that that has its positives. And I can talk about that a little later, maybe. But um, as I was saying, the traditional or predominant model is to roll SOTL in with the Teaching and Learning Center. um, And it kind of is then integrated with other programming and efforts that that your traditional teaching and learning centers uh, may do. That said, there are a lot of universities that don't have a SOTL arm. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I would consider SOTL to be a continually emerging and changing field. Mm -hmm. It is global. Mm-hmm. Um, as a discipline, um, and it's uh, increasing in its uh, involvement or the the level of involvement by faculty, particularly in the United States right now. Mm-hmm. What interests interests me about SOTL is the idea that it is something that draws people from all of the disciplines. It's not like someone goes to school to become a SOTL practitioner or, or scholar, or, or mm-hmm. scholar uh, you know, mm-hmm. 
uh, uh, per se. Mm-hmm. It is something that that um, develops out of like your own experience and interest in finding evidence based. Uh, support for our teaching. Mm-hmm. So how do folks on our campus, how would they get involved with SOTL? What what would be some of the questions that maybe becoming involved with your office would, would help them answer? Sure. Well, to, to answer that, let me tell you a little bit about a continuum that sure. we talk about in, in SOTL. Um, it actually was developed by Kathleen McKinney. She published it in 2007, and uh, I lovingly refer to it as the, the teaching continuum. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what she called it originally, right, right, but the yeah. ideas are hers. The name is mine. Um, but she talked about the difference between good teaching, scholarly teaching, and the scholarship of teaching and learning. Mm-hmm. The idea being that if you and I walk into our classrooms, we hope that we're good teachers, that we have good intentions towards our students. Mm-hmm. We want the best for them. And we design courses that that have that sort of idea in mind, that, mm-hmm. that we are well-intentioned individuals. The next level up from that would be scholarly teaching. And the idea there is you're still a good teacher, but you recognize that there is research on teaching and learning. Mm-hmm. And you go to that research and you read it and you implement or apply the, you know, the things that you learn from that research in your teaching. So you pick specific pedagogical strategies or mm-hmm. assessment schemes, whatever the case may be, because it's been successful somewhere else. So you're using evidence-based educational practices um, as a scholarly teacher. The next step from that then would be being a scholar Mm -hmm. uh, in teaching and learning. So engaging in the scholarship of teaching and learning as someone who's actively researching typically your own students to better understand what's happening in the classroom and hopefully improve your practice and your students learning down the line. Cool. So you asked what people at ISU would do or yeah. what, what they might be curious about. I think it's the things that keep us up at night as teachers. You know, right. you you have that thing in the back of your head that just you're not sure if it's working in your classroom. You know, did that thing I did today have an impact? Did my test really get at what I wanted it to? Are my students learning during study abroad? What are they learning during Mm -hmm. study abroad? And so, you know, anything that happens surrounding the issue of of our students learning could spur a SOTL project. Mm -hmm. And because SOTL's in our strategic plan, also very unique and wonderful here at ISU, um, because there's funding for this kind of research, we have workshops through my office, and it is considered meritorious in terms of tenure and promotion, you know, there is a, a real uh, interest in SOTL, mm-hmm. which I think is fantastic. So can, just so people have a better idea when we're talking about SOTL, what are some of the research projects that have been done uh, on our campus in, in this in this light? Sure. Um, <clears throat> let me tell you about um, a project that I did with three of my colleagues in CSD. We would laugh as we'd talk anecdotally amongst ourselves that our, our curriculum seemed siloed. And I don't know mm-hmm. if that's a term everybody would understand, but when we talk about patients with communication disorders, we talk about them as having speech or language or fluency disorders. Mm-hmm. And what we found is because we taught those specific kinds of disorders in separate classes, our students were having a hard time integrating um, different disorders across the same client, even though multiple disorders can and often do um, you know, result within the same patient. Mm-hmm. And so we, we said we're siloed, you know, and, and our students 
students were really showing that in the clinic and in some of the, the decisions they were making. And so um, we decided to develop a series of integrated projects across our curriculum. And we studied the outcome of those projects to see if we did more integration across our curriculum, it might be effective for our students as learners. Would they be more able to be um, effective clinicians? And mm-hmm. we found across the board that, yes, they would be. And so we used the results from those SOTL studies to revamp our entire curriculum, which is now in its first year of completion. So that, that's fascinating to me because it's kind of the opposite of the thing I, I proposed originally, which is I have something I want to research. Mm-hmm. This is more of I have a good idea mm-hmm. or I think it's a good idea. I want to measure to see if it actually works or not. It could be. Yeah. You know, I talk to faculty um, about problems and wonderments and opportunities. And mm. I, I think those are the, the places where SOTA projects are born. Mm-hmm. Problems don't have to be a bad thing. It right. can be a time constraint. It could be I teach a class at 630 at night, and it's a three-hour class, and the students have been in the building since 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. How can I engage my students? That's a problem, mm-hmm. you know. An opportunity might be a study abroad. You know, I'm taking my students to Spain for 10 days. It's an opportunity to measure what is the impact in terms of learning during a short-term study abroad, which we know very little about. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a wonderment might be something like, gosh, I heard this thing could work if I implement it. Mm-hmm. Can I measure any kind of different learning that, that maybe I wouldn't have, have thought to look at mm-hmm. in another context? So the problem, the wonderment, the opportunity, I'll kind of lay the groundwork to say, hey, there's something here I can collect some data on and better understand my students. And of course, you don't just assist with the design of the study. You help folks throughout the process through publication, right? Absolutely. So um, a lot of folks start their interest in SOTL with a workshop. So they'll come to an intro to SOTL workshop. And uh, during that process, uh, an idea for a project is sparked, and they'll start to develop a a process uh, for their project and Mm -hmm. an idea or outline. Mm -hmm. We have grants through my office to support research um, on teaching and learning. There are individual consultations. I'm happy to help with IRB, mm-hmm. um, you know, processes, procedures, and completions. And all the way through, I read drafts. I help folks find journals that might be good homes for their work or other dissemination outlets because we certainly aren't limited to the traditional um, paper or conference presentation. We have faculty on campus who make documentaries with their SOTL work, and mm-hmm. we have faculty um, in the School of Fine Arts that have done um, theater productions based on mm-hmm. what they've learned about their students teaching and uh, learning. Excuse me. And of course, you also have a couple of, let's call them latter-day channels of communication. So mm-hmm. you have, a uh, there is uh, Gaesis. Could you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, Gaesis, um, people are forever asking how it's spelled and how you say it. Yes. But <laughs> Gaesis. And there was actually a contest to name our internal to ISU, Sotal Journal, um, because our motto is gladly we learn and teach. Gaesis means gladly in Latin, and it just happens to have the letters ISU in the middle. Yeah. So from a marketing standpoint, <laughs> right. visual marketing, it's, it's not so bad. Right. But um, so we do have Gaesis that is edited uh, by myself and uh, some other folks who are interested in SOTL. We kind of offer that opportunity a- around campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's published every spring. And generally, we feature four to six uh, different papers or posters or other kinds of presentations uh, mm-hmm. featuring our faculty and students' research work and teaching and learning. Mm-hmm. And then you also have a, the SOTL blog that you're doing. And you mm-hmm. told me a very interesting fact before we started recording today about that. Yes. Yeah, so we started the SOTL Advocate blog in 2014. Mm-hmm. And um, it was one of those efforts where um, we were posting 
something new every week. We're trying to post resources or um, uh, supports for SOTL researchers across the spectrum of experience. So we're doing some low-level introduction to SOTL, Mm -hmm. advocacy and outreach, all the way through some real theoretical, applied, mega-level, multi-institutional, you know, cross-disciplinary kinds of SOTL um, information. Uh, Just trying to be relevant to a lot of people, which seemed very unwieldy. And and at the time, Kathleen, who was still the cross-chair, and I, uh, mm-hmm. I was at that point a SOTL scholar mentor working with faculty on campus in a slightly more limited position than I am now. Um, we decided, hey, let's let's try a blog. And, and as we populated that blog, we had no idea if people were reading it. We really didn't understand what the impact might be of that blog. But we, we put our heads down and we kept working. And I went to um, ISOTL, which is the International Society for the Scholarship of Teaching and Learning Conference, uh, a couple years ago. And, and people started calling me the blog lady. They... <laughs> <laughs> they they said, oh, you're the one who has that blog. And then the next year, it was more of an impact. Uh-huh. And I've, I've recently figured out that WordPress has metrics. Who there, knew? There you go. And yeah, right. uh, yeah. started looking at the impact and, uh, you know, reach of the blog. And it's been read in 46 countries. Um, we get downloaded about or clicked on, I guess the terminology yeah. is, 50 times a week, generally speaking. And I've had over 12,000 unique visitors to the site. So it actually has been a really great um, tool to share what we're doing here at ISU, but then to understand what other folks are doing. I have invited mm-hmm. um, blog contributors That's pretty great. frequently now. Mm-hmm. Something for me to aspire to. I want to be known as the pod person, I The guess. pod person. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you go. <laughs> You're the pod guy. I'm the pod guy. <laughs> hey, um, so bringing it back to your own teaching. Uh-huh. What have you learned from your SOTL experience that has made you a better teacher? Good question. Um, only one thing. <laughs> well, no. I, I mean, let's go. Let's go over the list. Uh, well, I would say. You know, first of all, I can learn as much from my students as they can learn from me. And that's mm-hmm. sort of always been my philosophy in the classroom. And so I really appreciate understanding their perspectives and and learning more about their experience in my class so that I can continually improve what I do. So, you know, I think that's the entry-level understanding is that there is a continuous improvement process that really has to happen in mm-hmm. order to um, keep your teaching chops relevant mm-hmm. and to, you know, at least for me, be the teacher that I want to be. I, I still... The heart of SOTL is in the classroom, and I love being in the classroom. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so so that's probably the first realization. Um, the second is that even if I think something is wonderful, it isn't always true. And, mm-hmm. you know, in my very first uh, workshop that I attended as a new faculty member, I remember Kathleen saying, you know, you're going to do something in your class soon, and you're going to say, wow, that went really well. But that's just your perception. Mm-hmm. And, you know, did your students actually learn or did they just like it? There's a difference. And so, you know, really um, having that realization that, um, you know, just because I like something doesn't mean my students have learned. Mm-hmm. And so just that that loop of needing to constantly evaluate and assess, how effective was that thing that I did? Is it is it worth my time? In in a more, I think, focused sort of way, I've learned a tremendous amount about what my students learn, particularly outside of the classroom. So oh, I've okay. focused a lot of my work on out-of-class learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like study abroad, service learning, um, you know, those kinds of contexts. You know, what are my students bringing to mm-hmm the table now that they might not have brought had they not had that out-of-class learning experience. So it's really opened my eyes uh, in particular to some of their interpersonal mm, learning, okay. you know, how they're they're learning about themselves um, and where they fit in the big wide context of our profession or or that sort of, you know. Do thing. you share your research or social research in general with your students? Is there a value to saying, 
hey, look, there's evidence to show that if you do X, you will gain Y. A hundred percent. You know, it's yes. So generally speaking, I spend the first week of any new class teaching my students about what we know about teaching and learning, because Mm -hmm. so many times we expect that they know how to be good students. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. I can say, gosh, how many of you underline when you read? How many of you knew that maybe that wasn't the best thing for you to do? And here's why. You know, if you have distributed practice over time, research has said you're going to be a better learner. You're going to remember it better and you'll have better connections. And so they find it fascinating, especially Mm -hmm. if they can benefit from it. Sure. Um, But I'll go back to my participant groups and say, hey, you remember how you guys let me use your data for this project, you know, you mm-hmm. consented and you, you know, let me access your reflections or your work or whatever the case might be. Um, this is what I learned from you guys, yeah. you know, because the benefits to your immediate participants aren't always evident in mm-hmm. total, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to study you so the next students can benefit, right? right? And so um, keeping the students in that information loop is, I think, really beneficial. Jen, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Jim. And that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Let's Talk Teaching. You can find out more about the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology and about the cross-endowed chair in the scholarship of teaching and learning by going to our website, ctlt.illinoisstate.edu, or you can go to Jen's website, which is sotl.illinoisstate.edu, and we'll link to everything that we talked about in today's episode. Until we talk again, happy teaching. Happy teaching.